This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 187. And the quote of the day is, a mistake repeated more than once is a decision. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers and industry professionals. Information, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. I hope you're doing well. And if you haven't listened to the podcast before, thanks so much for checking it out. This is the 187th episode, so you can get the rest of the interviews at drummersresource.com and at least the last 50 or so on iTunes and Stitcher and all that sort of stuff. And also you can get a copy of my ebook, Stick Control Variations. It's 11 creative exercises to help you improve your chops, independence, and speed. You can get it free at drummersresource.com. Just sign up for the mailing list and you'll get it immediately. Now, let's get into the interview today. This is Matt Halpern, who I've wanted to have on the podcast for a while and and it just happened to uh, to work out this week. So super great to have him on the podcast for a few reasons. One, because he's Matt Halpern. <laughs> Two, he and I have a lot of things in common and I didn't realize it until we started talking about our love for business and the way that we approach things in life. And we love drumming, but we also love business and we love, you know, creating businesses and that side of like the entrepreneurial side of the music business and things like that. So really cool to talk to him about that. And also he has a ton of great advice for not only the business side of things, but getting the most out of life to stop playing the victim, to really getting off your tail and and doing something on your own and not letting other people's opinions and circumstances and things like that get in your way of success and practice techniques. And also, I mean, we, we talk about a lot in here. So really great to have him on the show. I'm glad that we had an opportunity to talk for over an hour. So without further ado, let's get into it with Matt Halpern. Matt, what's going on, man? Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I, uh, I I am very happy to have the opportunity. Likewise, likewise. So if we just so if anybody's listening and and Matt sounds a little weird, he just got back from the dentist, so he's not numbed up, and no. uh, so he's not uh, he's not going to be slobbering. But but he he did just get back from the dentist. So if, if anything, I feel uh, revitalized. My teeth feel amazing. <laughs> no. I feel nice. great. No worries. You're now listening to the Dentist Podcast. Um, so I want to – I know that most of the people out there are, know who you are, know about you, but I always like to build a little bit of context for the people who do not. Um, so can you just give a little brief history of of, uh, of who you are and what you do? Sure, sure. So my name is Matt. Uh, I play drums in the band Periphery. I've been with the band since about 2009. Uh, you know, we're a progressive metal rock band that really, I don't think subscribes to any one particular genre. So, um, you know, growing up as a drummer, I had the chance to learn a whole bunch of different styles, whether it be rock, jazz, funk, you know, R and B stuff, metal fusion. And I've been able to really use everything I've learned over the years (laughs) within the context of my band periphery. Um, so if, if you're curious about, you know, what we sound like as a band or what, what kind of style or background I come from that might be a little short 
uh, explanation of that. But you know, I'm I'm also an entrepreneur. Um, you know, I, I'm very very passionate about business. I've you know since I was you know a young kid have have been involved with uh, with different kinds of businesses. I got into real estate um, when I finished up high school. Both my parents were realtors, so they they kind of put me through the ringer there. And then uh, I had a, a music education company called Band Happy, where we connected uh, working artists and their fans through. Uh, one-on-one online music lessons and in-person lessons while artists would go on tour. Um, I now have a, another education company called the Entertainment Institute. I'm a founder of a company called Get Good Drums where we put out um, drum programming uh, sample libraries. So, you know, I, I have a clothing line. So I'm just – I love I love starting businesses and I love building businesses that stem from – my passion for music and the and the things that I am most passionate about in life, drumming has always been at the core of everything I do, and I've been able to draw a lot of different connections, you know, from drumming to other things that I'm passionate about, and you know, I'm I'm really lucky to to have uh, to have some of this stuff going on. I'm really excited about it. So, in a nutshell, if you want to know about me, you know, uh, play drums. I love business. I love dogs. And uh, I like the fact that I make my own schedule every day with the exception of being on tour with my band. So I don't, I does, like that, does that, does that, uh, does that round it out a little bit? Dude, that was, that was perfect. Cool. That, awesome. It sounds like you may have done that before. Um, so it's, it's amazing because you're, you're speaking my language and the audience knows that, that, I'm in the same exact way. I'm extremely passionate about business. Uh, I own a couple now. I've owned different ones in in the past, from restaurants to to booking agencies and and all sorts of stuff. So I'm I'm with you on that. I love the fact that I love the fact that you can keep keep the drumming running through all of these businesses, which which I think is super cool. Just because they're not specifically drumming, like I know your clothing clothing line, uh, Deep V Clothing, right? Yeah, DV Apparel. Deep, yeah. Deep V Apparel. Okay, yeah. and but but it's I think and tell me tell me if I'm wrong here, but that sort of stemmed from a lot of the videos that you have on. You always have a V neck. Well, you know what's interesting? It's it's funny. You know, in terms of in terms of our customer base and the fan base, um, obviously I've been able to reach a lot of people with the clothing line because of Periphery and because of of my drumming fan base, and I'm really thankful for that. But you know, it's funny. The clothing line was born out of a whole nother, very real, I would say, passion, but even like just um, lifestyle decision of mine based on preference. Like, honestly, God, truth, I've been wearing V-necks since I can remember, and there's a reason for it. I just don't like collared shirts. I've always found them to be uncomfortable. A turtleneck to me would be like being wearing a turtleneck would be like being in hell. I just <laughs> I hate pressure or any kind of like covering on my neck, which kind of sucks in the dead of winter. Um, but you know, it, it's just some. It's always been this like weird thing of mine. So I've just always opted to go for wearing V-necks, and I'm a tall guy with a long torso, so. Deep V-necks to most people aren't really deep, or at least I don't think are too deep on me relative to my size. So I've just always worn V-necks, and I think what ended up happening was it, it you know, the fans started, my fans started noticing um, that I always wear V-necks, and it, it got so serious that a, a specific, particular fan of of ours went and started this Facebook group called Matt Halpern's V-neck, or it's a Facebook page, and it has like. Oh, I don't know. Let me look right now. It might have somewhere around 
You know what? Let's let's see how many likes it has. Matt Halpern's V-neck has eleven thousand six hundred and forty-seven people that like that page. That's so, insane. It's insane. It's and it's like I I have nothing to do with the page. It was started as a parody by a fan, but he ends up putting out all this really cool content. And then since you know since that coming out, um, you know everybody you know on every post I make that you can see me in it, and I'm wearing a V neck. There's there's multiple comments in every post that will say, Matt, where do you get your V necks? How can I get those? They're awesome. Where can I buy it? And I just thought to myself, you know what? Instead of sending sending people elsewhere. And even instead of me going elsewhere, I'm just going to go figure out how to, you know, create a brand and and offer the fans that are asking my own personal V-neck line. Um, so I, I think what's really cool about that is that it it grew, it came very organically, just based off of natural interest and kind of right. a funny way. But it is something that I'm really passionate about, and that's I don't I know we're I don't want to get too deep too quick, but I mean that's a really big point for anybody who is looking to start a business. You know, it may seem a little far-fetched for a drummer to start a clothing line, but the clothing line is built based off of a style that I that I literally take advantage of and wear every single day of my life. Like if you you will not see me not wearing a V-neck or a Henley or some kind of shirt that 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 doesn't allow for space to to breathe. And I think it's very it's it's very real that way and it's not just something that's contrived it's based off of a passion of mine and something that I spend a lot of time of my life doing. So hopefully that can be just a small lesson to anyone who is interested in starting a business. Focus on the things that you're passionate about. It doesn't even need to be like, you know, the main thing you spend your time on all day. Like drumming to me as I said is at the core, but it can be something else that you do every day that you may not even think of like that, like wearing V-necks. So anyway, it's just the thought that that might be helpful to some people. Sure. Know? Sure. No, I, and I agree that if you're not, if you're not chasing sort of the muse, so to speak, and rather chasing the money, you're going to find yourself at, you know, down this road that is not very enjoyable. And, you know, one day you're probably going to wake up and be like, what the hell am I doing here? Sure. What, you know, what am I, what am I really doing? So let's talk a little bit about, about you growing up. So you're a Baltimore guy, right? Yes. Yeah. Born and raised. So let, I want to talk a little bit of just sort of how you developed your developed your talent. Like, was it private lessons? Did you study on your own and sort of winding through that a little bit and, and how that led to periphery? Sure. Uh, so I, I started <clears throat> very early with private lessons from an awesome guy named Billy Myers, who was uh, my dad was a pharmacist and Billy, one of his Billy was one of his pharmacy techs. Um, and I, I had an aptitude towards drumming from a very, very young age. And at one point, I think with the, you know, with the influence of, of Billy, my dad decided, you know what, right, I'm going to get Matt his official real drum set. Cause I'd always been playing on like, you know, Muppet baby Macy's brand crap drum sets that I would break in two days. So he, you know, he decided to get me a drum set, but the, the day that he got me the kit, was also the day that I had my first drum lesson. So from day one of, of really starting to drum, I had private lessons with Billy. Um, over time, I worked, you know, I worked through all the fundamentals and the basics with Billy. He got me, you know, playing songs and playing beats. Then I started working with Billy's teacher, this guy named Jeff Wolf, who's also another local drummer, local guy, um, who sort of helped me get really, really <clears throat> more seriously into rudiments and stickings, um, learning how to play songs uh, both, both identically to how they're recorded but then also learning how to approach songs 
from a more creative aspect as well. So at a very young age, you know, I had these 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 two great teachers, um, and I you know I still know these guys today, and it's it's kind of cool to be connected to them now, and I think it's cool for them to see kind of how seriously I've taken it. Um, but uh, you know, then I kept working with other teachers throughout throughout um, you know my my younger years. There was a guy named Grant Menifee who many great drummers have worked with. Um, Nate Morton from uh, from The Voice took mm-hmm. lessons with Grant. There's, I mean, there's there's so many guys that have worked with Grant. He was a Berkeley grad who now runs a very successful teaching business out of his house in Baltimore. And you know, his list of of students is is pretty pretty amazing to see, like who he's who he's worked with and and how well revered he is as a teacher. Um, and then I also worked with a gentleman uh, named Mark Saint Pierre, who was also a gigantic influence on me. He's another local Baltimore drummer. He's also a music director uh, at at one of the high schools in in in, in the county, and um, you know, just such a well rounded. I had such a well rounded uh, upbringing in terms of the, the the music I was exposed to and the teachers that I had and the lessons they taught me. But I will say there was one. There was one thing that I was really lucky to be exposed to at a, at a young age and actually come in contact with, and that was Dennis Chambers. Because Dennis Chambers is also a local Baltimore guy. I had been going to his clinics whenever he would have them locally, you know, as, as often as I could. And funny enough, his wife um, was a secretary at my high school. So oh. I mean, it was amazing to have such a direct connection. And, you know, Dennis would come to the high school midday my music teacher would pull me out of class and bring me down and we would you know I would get a chance to like essentially have you know unofficial lessons with Dennis he would jam on the kit you know in in the music room Um, he did some clinics at the school so I had a really close connection with him at a very young age and obviously you know he's a super inspiring drummer yeah Um, you know so I, I had that up close and personal experience with that um, but I will say this, you know, one of the not to ramble on, but one no, of the, no, that's what we're here for, man. Cool. Well, 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 one of the biggest things that I also found, especially looking back now, um, to be really inspirational, influential for me, was finding friends that also play drums. And I was really lucky to have a couple of really good friends that that lived in the area. Um, that I could play drums with. So one was my buddy Justin Posner, who lived down the street from me, and he was also like a great drummer. You know, when we first met, um, we were both already drumming, and people had this sort of preconceived notion that one was better than the other. And we met, we're like, no, we're just friends, let's jam. And you know, he would come over to my house, and we would just like take turns playing the same songs, and kind of in a fun way critique one another, and 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 play off each other, and just. Having that experience was amazing. There was another dude who actually started a band with back in the day named Evan Taubenfeld, who was an amazing drummer as well. Same kind of thing. He went to a different high school as me. People pitted us together. And then when we met, it was just this immediate camaraderie. Um, I don't know if you if you had a chance to interview Will Dorsey Jr. from uh, from Body Count. But, I haven't. But Will is a fantastic drummer. He's another local guy who played in a band called Laughing Colors in Baltimore. And Will used to come over to my house with his drum set and we would play. So – Having that chance to play with other drummers outside of that sort of context of an official lesson was almost more educational than anything else because you're kind of you're, you're having fun, but you're learning and you're trading licks. And you know, obviously, guys set up sheds all the time and they play. But you know, I think when I teach lessons now, the reason that I really opt to do it in a group setting is because I can take people in a local area that may not know each other 
that both play drums or that all play drums and I can put them together and give them that opportunity to then exchange information and continue learning beyond the lesson because to me it was such a profound experience to have that kind of interaction with other drummers. I'm really passionate about pushing that now with my students and so far, you know, I, I was I was at um, Gearfest at Sweetwater a couple weeks ago, and and one of my students from uh, from the area came up to me and said, "Dude, I just got to tell you, after that lesson, me and three of the guys from the class can, started working together on a weekly basis, and we've been jamming now for about a year, and I can't tell you how great it's been." So, it just nice. I think it's really important for drummers to have that kind of interaction, you know. So anyway, I was just. Um, I was just talking to uh, who? Oh, Eric Harlan, and he was saying the, the same exact thing that like he and Chris Dave and a bunch of all and Gerald Hayward and all these people would just they would just get together and shed for hours and hours and hours, and it's it's such a it's such a powerful thing to have other people pushing you. It's like going to the gym with somebody that's bigger than you. That's the way I look at it. Absolutely, and and and, and it's amazing. Even even someone you you know they might be bigger than you, but you might be faster than them or better at cardio. And it's like there's always things to learn from from the person that you get to spend that time with. You know, right, right. Um, but you, look, I mean, I, I played drums forever, every day. You know, as much as I could. I started playing in bands and doing session work um, when I was around 13 years old. I had people that are actually hiring me at that point to come in and play sessions. Um, and I just played throughout high school, started more bands, learned about you know the the record business around my late teens. Um, throughout, I went to college uh, at Towson University in Maryland for for uh, public relations and public speaking, marketing stuff. Um, and throughout that time, I was just gigging everywhere I could with all sorts of different local musicians, whether it be at bars playing, you know, cover songs or playing, you know, original music with, with multiple different bands or even playing hand drums. I was playing four to five times a week, some weeks, um, you know, working as a drummer while going to school and waiting tables and doing a bunch of stuff to be able to support my career as a musician. And at that point I got more and more into teaching. I had opportunities to go on tour and that's when you know I really saw the potential to to build a career out of this. You know, because I was teaching so much, I kind of saw that that this was a real possibility for for, like I said, a, a career. And obviously, going on tour, it was it was hard to make make a living there, um, just touring alone. So teaching and touring kind of became synonymous in my mind. And it was that was kind of like the early stages of me figuring out how I was going to get the band happy thing off the ground eventually. Which if you want, we could talk about later. But um, you know, the whole periphery thing came to be completely by chance. The long story short is my first day of college at Towson University, um, I met a girl. We started talking. She, we, we went back to their place for a party and I meet uh, her roommate's boyfriend who happened to be the guitar player of Periphery at the time. Now, his name was Alex and I, you know what? He might not have been in Periphery at that point. He had a different band called um, A Different Self is what it was called, a local Baltimore band. Mm -hmm. But we just struck up a conversation and then we found out that you know, he was he was pledging a fraternity that one of my best friends ended up being the uh, um, the president of. I was never in a frat, but I, I kind of got the perks of it because all my friends were in this frat. So throughout college, me and Alex just kept in touch. We became really good friends. Um, and then once school was over, I was playing uh, – I was gigging out and playing one, one gig in particular with some really good friends of mine. It was a total just like fun project. We booked shows just to get out and play. There was no real – um, strong goal behind it, but 
I told Alex that we were playing and he brought Misha, who's a guitar player of Periphery, um, to see the show. And I guess it goes – the story goes that when we finished playing, Misha said to Alex, hey, you know, if we ever lose our drummer, that's our guy. And Alex was like, really? That's, that's weird because I was playing a pop gig. I wasn't playing metal right. by any means. Um, and Misha's like, no, dude, you don't understand. Like that dude is – he's our guy. If we ever need another drummer, his feel is exactly what we need. Um, and then I got a call from Misha a couple weeks later and he was like, hey, dude, I'm working on this project called Animals as Leaders. It's an instrumental band. They need a drummer. Would you be interested? I think it'd be great for you. So I, you know, I checked out the music. I really liked it. It was a challenge. I went and I auditioned. I got that gig. And at the audition, Misha actually came and I got to jam with him a little bit on some periphery songs that I knew. I was a fan of the band way before I was ever in the band. Um, and then one thing leads to another. Six months later. Animals as Leaders was sort of in a place where everybody was kind of working on other stuff and kind of figuring out what what the band was going to do. And that's when uh, Travis, who is an amazing drummer, Travis Orban, who was the previous drummer at Periphery, um, had a chance to go take another gig and and he left the band to, to go pursue some other things. And that left an open spot for me and Misha called me up pretty much immediately and was like, dude, can you fill in? We got shows coming up. Um, you know, what's the word? And <laughs> I just jumped at the opportunity and I've been now in the band ever since. So that's the long story short of how it all came together. How long ago was that? Uh, I started playing with animals as leaders in like early 2008. Mm-hmm. And then I officially joined periphery at like the very end of 2008 or early 2009. Um, I got you. so it's been a while since then. And I met Alex the guitar player back in 2001, but didn't even end up performing with that band that I told you about where he came and brought Misha and saw me until 2007. So the lesson to be learned here is that you never know where it's going to come from. But I think if you stick to your guns and do what you love to do and put yourself out there, opportunities can come in the most unexpected and ridiculous places. And that's why, that to me is why you have to love what you do because if you love what you do every single day, then there's no time limit on it. There's no, there's no stress about like you know exercising patience. If you wake up and do what you love to do every day, then it shouldn't matter when the opportunities arrive because every day you're doing something you love. Mm-hmm. But by doing it every day and putting yourself out there, you will have opportunities that show up. You just can't predict when and you can't plan when. So moral of the story is do what you love and I think it will open you up to all sorts of things. And right. I, if anything, you know, my whole, my whole story is, is all by chance but it's because of exactly what I said. I was just playing drums, doing what I loved and it, it all seems to work out in some crazy way. So now what happens if – and I'll pose this question to you because I agree with you too. I do what I love every day and I work on my own schedule and I'm my own boss and it's amazing. Yeah. So I get this question a lot so I'll pose it to you. What do you say when somebody's like, Matt, I want to do what you're doing but I have – I got bills. Like I got – you know, like I, how, how am I supposed to afford to do that? You're in this band. You're making money. You're doing – you know, you're, you're doing clinics and you're doing all this stuff. What is your advice for someone who either – is in that in the situation where they're working a full-time thing and they want to sort of try to transition or they're in a position where they're not making enough money playing and they're thinking about going into the nine to five scenario. I mean, the, the honest to God truth is if you want it bad enough, you will figure it out. 
you will it's not just talking about it you will absolutely figure out how to do it now you you've got to be smart but you can plan you know if i if i were in that position and you know i've been in that place like I, you know i didn't start off just like killing it out of the box i i had to be able to support myself i had bills to pay so you know what i would do i would I worked my ass off locally to to build up a roster of, of drum students, which was paying me X amount per week. Um, from there, I was lucky enough to get a job waiting tables in Little Italy in Baltimore at a place called Chow Bello with my man Tony Gambino. Um, <laughs> and you know, I, I waited tables four nights a week, five nights a week, saved that money, paid my bills with it. I taught drum lessons during the day. I had band practice during the day. I hustled and I worked three different jobs in order to support my love for music. You know, I, I was, again, and even in college, like I was selling houses for my parents. I was in school, going to school to try to get an education on things that I knew that would be important. And I was playing drums. Like I've always kept myself busy and forced myself to do as much as I can to support the passion and to support what I love. And I mean, look, it's, it's, it's hard. It requires a lot of hard work. It requires putting in serious amounts of hours. It requires tons of persistence, tons of patience. But if you want to make that transition, you can do it. You just have to be willing to work your fucking ass off. And I hope I, I can it. say that. But that's the bottom line. I mean, work the 9 to 5 and then work the 7 to 2 a.m. And a lot of times that 7 to 2 a.m. is gigging out with a band at night playing covers at a bar. You know, I know plenty of guys in Baltimore who have their, you know, their normal jobs during the day at the office or at the, you know, their doctors or whatever. They finish up, they come home for a quick dinner, then they go play. And mm -hmm. they're making money playing playing drums, but they're doing it because they love it. And they don't mind getting five hours of sleep or four hours hours of sleep because the time awake is spent focused on what they love. Right. And now it's really easy to say that stuff. It's harder to do it, but trust me, you can do it. You just have to want it bad enough. But I, the, I think the other part of this is, you know, be creative. Figure out other things you can do using your talents and using your skills, so that you have as you have as many streams of income that are coming from your talents, rather than needing to go do things that are simply just for supplementing you know, the, the money you need to make. So like, right. for example, I was eventually able to replace waiting tables with teaching, but I did it. I, I, I was, I, I, I'd like to think I was smart about it because what I did was, so I, I was waiting tables when I was home from tour and I was teaching locally and then I would go on tour and I would have to figure out a way to make money because I wasn't making money from the tour. So with Periphery, I put it out there that when I go on tour, I'm going to offer lessons to my fans in each city at the venues every day. So when I went on tour, I was actually able to have multiple students come out to work with them to earn income there. But then when I would go home, much I, I would much rather figure out a way to keep working with these people rather than have to spend my time waiting tables. So I took advantage of Skype. I took advantage of the internet and I set up continuous monthly lessons with the same students I was meeting in person, I would teach them online. And eventually, just by doing this, I was able to, to create enough, a large enough roster that I didn't have to go wait tables anymore. Right. You know? And then it allowed me to still be in my band and focus on music to the point where everything I was doing was then music-based. So 
I, I, I just think I think if you focus on your talents and you focus on your passions and, and try to figure out creative ways to monetize them based around what you love, then you can do that. And here's another example that, that's not even me. You know, I have friends who tour in bands, but they're great designers or they're great tattoo uh, tattoo artists. So what do they do? They focus on tattooing on tour. They tattoo people in bands. They tattoo the fans. They come home. They can still tattoo. They can still make their own schedule. Graphic designers. Graphic designers are like uh, they're they're. It's like finding a gold mine if you find a friend who's a graphic designer. Yeah. If you can like, find a good one, they're 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 great. And yeah. look, a good one who's in a band can go on tour and can create all the necessary you know pieces of content for their own band but also they can market their work to the other bands they tour with to the people at the venues that they meet so you know i am sure that if you said to me hey matt i'm good at x y or z i could say to you okay here's an idea for you mm-hmm. and i don't think that i'm like some genius or anything i just think that i i, I like to solve problems and i think if more people looked at their own situations in their own lives and figured out what they're good at and how they could connect the things that they like to do. They could solve problems for themselves and come up with really cool creative ways that they can kind of tie it all together and make a career out of it. Maybe I'm maybe I'm an optimistic person in that regard, but I just think like if you can do it, Nick, and I can do it and other friends of mine can do it, then I feel like it's not that hard to do if you try no man we're you know we're just we're uh we're lucky and everything just sort of fell on our plate and uh and are we are we lucky (laughs) i don't don't think i don't know i'm kidding yeah no okay good just making sure no i mean look this is hard work it like you have to you have to fuck up and then learn from it and i'm not saying that like everybody's going to be able to nail this out of the box you're probably going to fail but that's the thing. Yeah, you you have, are going to fail. You are, but that, but you have to expect it, and you have to be excited about that. About mm-hmm. that, like you know, don't purposely try to fail. Try your hardest to succeed, but expect to fail, and expect it to be the most important and most influential learning experience you will ever have in your life. And that's what is excited, you know, and or yep. exciting to me, and and a lot of other entrepreneurs that I know are really really excited about having the chance to succeed but fail because they'll learn so much from the failure. We'll be right back with the one and only Matt Halpern. If you haven't already, do yourself a favor and check out the new Gretsch.com. Now, as I mentioned before on the podcast, I play DW and DW and Gretsch have now merged and I was out there checking out some amazing Gretsch kits and I think that they may be a Gretsch kit or two in my in the very near future. They've got some amazing things going on. They're signing a bunch of new artists. There's a lot of new stuff coming out from Gretsch that I'm really excited to see. So be sure to check them out at Gretsch. Dot com. Now, one of my favorite non-drumming companies is Audible.com. Why? Because I love to read, but I'm on the road a lot and I don't have a lot of time to read and I'm also a slow reader. So Audible.com is a way to download audiobooks that you can listen to on the go and they have over 250,000 titles. So some of your favorite titles are out there on audiobook and as a Drummer's Resource Podcast listener, you can get a free audiobook by going to audible.com forward slash drummer and grab any book that you like. I recommend checking out the four hour work week, one of my favorite books and one of the changing tides of my life after I read that book and the reason why I started drummer's resource and things like that. So check that out. 
or any other audiobook that you would like at audible.com forward slash drummer. Evans reminds you to let no circle box you in. The level 360 gives you the most consistent fit for your drums so you can get greater tonal range, effortless tuning, and the freedom to express yourself any way that you want. You can learn more about Evans 360 at evansdrumheads.com. Now let's get back into it with the main man, Matt Halpern. There's two things uh, that, that I wanted to touch on. One, and I've said this numerous times before, so it's not, and, and I, I'm by no means like trying to toot my own horn, but like the reason why I've been successful in this business is because like you said, I'm, I'm focusing on my strengths. One thing that I'm really good at, I'm good at connecting with people and I'm good at business. Yep. So I've used that to my advantage and I'm not, I'm not successful in this industry because I'm the greatest drummer in the world and people are banging down my door for me to play on every single record and tour out there. Right. It's that I've I've figured out what I'm good at. I've developed, you know, I I have my passion. I have the stuff that I'm good at, and I put them together. So, like you said, and I actually just wrote an article about this about you know having a job in the music business. Like, if you're a good designer, then who knows? Maybe your maybe your designs can help a drum company sell drums, and that's what you do. And maybe you're not the poster child of the drum company, but you help them design killer ads. And you're still in the music industry. You're still playing. You're still working with them. So whatever, you know, focusing, focusing on your strengths, I think is amazing. I think too many people are trying to like do the things that they're not good at, not to get like, I'm sure you know Gary V. So I'm not trying to get like all Gary V on it. But <laughs> Oh man, I could talk about Gary V all day because, and it's, it's so frustrating because like, I want to say things sometimes and I'm like, God, I can't say that because it'll sound too much like Gary V. But you're right. It's like focus on your strengths, don't focus on your weaknesses, and look forward to failing so you can learn from it. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. if you're a Gary V fan, then you know exactly what I'm saying. I just spoke at a conference with him a couple of weeks ago. It was pretty it's awesome. It's pretty I mean, amazing. He's yeah. he's a intense dude. The funny oh. thing is, here's a quick story, a quick aside, and then I have a question for you. That someone started an Insta or a Twitter account. So they had zero followers or anything like that. They started it. And sent me a tweet and was like, Nick, stop trying to be the Gary Vee of the drum world. Oh, man. And that was it. And like, that's, that's kind of a compliment, though, to be honest. <laughs> I was like, I was like, show my wife. I was like, this dude. So if you're out there, thank you for starting that Twitter account just so you could heckle me. That, you know what, though? Like, it could be worse. They could be saying, they could be referencing a lot, a lot of worse people. And you yeah. know what? Is that so bad? And you know, you know what? Let's talk about that really fast because. I've seen interviews with Gary where where he admittedly says, he's like, all this shit that we're talking about, the stuff that you and I, Nick, are talking about, the stuff that he talks about, it's not original content, even right. for him. Right. He even says, like, some dude in the caveman days wrote something on the wall that inspired somebody else, and it's the same shit that we're talking about now. I think what I, – I think to be compared to people like that is probably not a bad thing. I think what's so – the opportunity – for you and for me is to figure out how these overarching morals and values that Gary and other great people like him speak about, how they apply to what we do and how we can authentically share that same wisdom with people. And that's mm-hmm. really the key. So, I mean, basically someone just said to you, Hey dude, stop being inspirational because it's 
too much like other inspirational people. Well, to be honest, I feel like we need more inspirational people as long as it's real. Right. So, I agree. You know. So here, here was the question though, and back to when I was joking, when when I was jokingly saying like, "Oh, we're just lucky," and and everything happened to us, and it wasn't hard work. Here's the rub, and I have this question, or I have this this conversation with a lot of people, and it kind of, I, I don't know, it weighs on my mind a lot because, am I lucky or are you lucky that? you have this drive inside of you that makes you want to work 15 hours a day. And, and I, so I, and, and the reason why I ask is because I say, I think in my head that I would be unjustly using all of this drive. If I was solely using it for my own benefit and I wasn't trying to help other motivate other people and sort of light the fire under their ass because I have I just naturally have it I don't know why I'm glad to you know whoever you pray to you know whatever whether it's God or whoever else like I'm glad I have that and and I know that you do so the question is like do you feel do you think that is a luck thing and do you feel obligated to sort of share that fire and that passion with other people to get them moving okay so the short answer is yes I feel lucky and yes I am honored to have the opportunity to share it with other people because I do think sharing this kind of stuff can only be a positive thing for everyone. If you can help someone achieve their goals and figure out – if you can help someone figure out how to achieve their own goals, I should say, then that is such an amazing gift to, to receive and to give. So I love that moment of seeing someone become inspired and then running with it. I like there's nothing more that I am more passionate about. Like, yes, I love drumming, but if you said to me, "Hey Matt, <clears throat> and this is probably going to sound bad since it's a drumming podcast, but hey Matt, you can play drums in front of a million people at this gigantic show or here's an opportunity opportunity to, to go speak to a bunch of people that need to be inspired and you can go do that. What would you choose?" I would totally go choose first to go give that speech to as many people as I can I can inspire as possible and then go play the show because right. there's no to me there's no greater feeling of creating this inspirational energy as cheesy as that sounds between a whole room full of people and, I'm with you man and I don't care whether it's like it, well I love the I love the opportunity to to spread it but being a part of it in any context is fantastic. That's why I like to watch guys like Gary Vee speak. I love you know other entrepreneurs, Chase Jarvis, Mark Cuban, Tim Ferriss. All these guys inspire the shit out of me. And it's not like they're saying stuff that I don't know. They're all saying pretty similar things in their own ways. It's just what we have the chance to do is reach in and what those guys have the chance to do is to reach in and tap someone where it counts and remind them of these values and, and, and the things that we all talk about. But okay, so that being said, I'm lucky because I have every bit of facility that there is in the world. Okay, here's what I mean. I, I my arms and legs work. I can see, I can hear, I can speak. I grew up in a in a in a really supportive family. I grew up with good friends with every opportunity afforded to me. So am I lucky? Absolutely. Those are things I can't control. I couldn't control where I was born what kind of person I would be, you know, what kind of family I'd be born into. So in that regard, that's where luck really, really plays a role, I think. Um, and, and, you know, even that you could argue isn't luck because 
obviously my parents worked hard as individuals, as people to be good people, to provide good, good values, good support, a good household, good, you know, they had good jobs. So like, I mean, there's always work involved, but I'm very lucky to have been born the person that I am. But here's the thing for, and this is, this is really, this is all true. Like for a lot of my life, I struggled with things like bad anxiety. Um, I think kind of fake depression, but more so just sadness and frustration where I would say I was depressed, but I was more just like frustrated with, with my life and what I was doing. I was, you know, if I'm being really honest, I like, I feel like I, I made myself the victim in situations when I probably was not the victim. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't really self-aware in a lot of, a lot of situations. And look, the reality of it is over the years, I've learned from all of these things that I have a choice with every one of those different things. I have a choice to wake up every day and and say today is going to be a happy day or a sad day. Okay? It might not be the perfect day. Not everything perfect can happen, but if you really say to yourself, "What do I have that is good today?" and "What am I feeling thankful for today?" then I don't think you can ever have a bad day. You should never choose to be sad, never choose to complain, especially if there's another option that you can choose that is real. So anyway, my my point is it's like I learned the hard way over many years that every bit of negative emotion that I was putting out there into the world was completely a choice. Mm -hmm. And – you know, I, I heard that from my parents my whole life and I heard it from different psychologists I went and talked to and I had a psychiatrist at one point and different therapists, you know, growing up as a kid. And, you know, you hear that all the time but it doesn't really register until somebody who really matters to you reaches in and taps that little button that reminds you of what's important. And I just – I've been lucky enough to have people in my life and experiences in my life that have knocked me down in a way that has allowed me to stand back up with a better understanding of what the hell is going on around me. And one of the most in one of the most amazing I guess epiphanies that I had, you know, within the past few years was that it is totally a choice. And I can choose to every day focus on the positives. I can choose to be happy. I can choose to talk to my parents two different ways. I could talk to them like they're annoying me and they're nagging me. And and they may, <laughs> but 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 they are I, parents. <laughs> I could choose to talk to them that way and treat them that way, or I could choose to not talk to them that way, and I could choose to be calm and choose to listen and choose to laugh and smile and look at things from their perspective. And this applies to every single person you'll meet. I so I do a lot of um, snapping on Snapchat, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I like to do is I like to talk about you know just different things that are important to me that hopefully can resonate with other people. And, you know, one of the things that I talked about recently was like, you never know what somebody else is going through in a day. And, you know, as much as it is a choice to be happy and to make that decision every day, it it is really hard for some people because some people are in inherently bad situations. Um, And it's a lot harder for some people, and this is where the luck thing comes in, it's a lot harder for some people to climb out of situations that that sometimes they can't control being being in or maybe they made some mistakes and ended up where they are and it's tough. But what 
I think what is important to, to know here is that no matter who you are, if you're good to the people around you, if you make the choice to smile, to ask someone how their day is, to say hello, um, just to simply pay attention to someone for two minutes, you never know what that little bit of positivity can mean to them and how far it can push them forward. Mm -hmm. And if someone is in a tough place and really isn't getting that positive reinforcement, a stranger you know, coming up to them and saying something nice or positive can really do that. And, and I always the, – the, the reason that this whole topic came up was that I was, I was at a, a supermarket and I saw all these people in front of me at the deli counter just like totally not even acknowledging the person behind the deli counter um, as a person. They were – you know, when it was their turn and their number was up, they were just like, yeah, give me this, give me this, give me right. this. No right. thank you, no hello, no nothing. And it was just blowing my mind and, and I was looking at the person serving him and he, he was obviously like bummed out, didn't want to be there, seemed pissed off to have to deal with these rude people and I don't blame him. But when it came my turn – I said, hey, man, how's it going today? And he looked at me like I was fucking crazy. And I waited for him to respond because he thought I was just going to go, hey, man, how's it going today? Give me this. Right. But I actually waited for him to respond. And he was like, wow, nobody's asked me that in a while. I'm, I'm doing all right. I, I think I'm doing all right. And we ended up striking up a bit of a conversation and you know, it got to the point where he was like, shit, man, like I'm talking your ear off. What can I get you? And <laughs> just the difference in his tone just – by having that real conversation with someone that didn't expect it, I think made all the difference. And then I actually ended up talking to this person a little bit more, and it turns out they were on a work release program, um, got in some trouble, you know, at, at a you know, he, this is the young person, but like got in some trouble and is now trying to get their life back together. And this is a perfect example. It's like this dude was going through some hard stuff and was right. trying to climb his way out of it, and every day encountering a people that just don't give a shit really I think wasn't doing any favors for him but the minute that me little old me stranger just took two seconds to ask how's it going like you should have seen how like truly and honestly positive his mood changed and I just think that that had to be a good thing you know and now when I go back it's like I say hi and you know, I, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm like checking up on them, but things right. seem to be good. You know, th things seem to be on the, on the upward to the right for him. And that's good. And I'm not, I'm not the responsible reason for that. I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not taking any ownership of that, but I just think that small acts of kindness like that, being self-aware about those things, being just being a fucking good person, Yep. Can just do so much, you know. So I don't know. I don't know if we're like completely off topic now. No, we're we're on whatever topic we want to talk about. So cool. Well, I so I just think it's a choice because That's these things are important. They're they're this is yeah this is a drumming podcast, but I say this all the time that the the goal of Drummers Resource is has always been motivation, inspiration, education for drummers. But the thing is, like we're humans, we're moms, we're you know we're dads, we're brothers, we're sisters, yeah. we're friends. Like these are. These are things that 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 you also need to be aware of. Just because you're a drummer, it doesn't mean you just put your head down and you just play paradiddles and you just walk through life only worrying about drums, 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 and you don't have to, you know, be a, a good member of society too. Yeah, well, you know what? And let's let's tie it back into the drumming industry because in in, in my experience, the drumming industry is one of the most um, family like 
small industries I've ever seen. And it's mm-hmm. pretty, it's pretty amazing how drummers are so excited to be <clears throat> around one another, you know, like they love to share, they love to hang out, they love to, to, to communicate and play drums. Like even as I was saying as a kid, it's like other people assumed that me and the other local drummer would go head to head and want to battle each other. But when we met, it was like, oh shit, you, you play that positioning, I play this position. You like metal, I like rock. It's like we can't help but come together. And, and I think that's so amazing about the drumming industry. And if I ever see people that are choosing to, to sort of take the negative approach or not necessarily be um, – you know, I, I guess maybe they just haven't come up in a way where like they know that that they know what the drumming industry is like. They know that it's not a competitive place. Right. You know, those people always seem to stick out at first, and then they quickly get it and they learn how to blend into the society. And not only that, it's a really small industry once you get into it. It's so small. We all know each other, and I, just the same thing applies. It's like it, it's not about what people perceive or how people perceive you. It's just simply like. How could you not be positive when you get to hang out with drummers and play drums if drumming is your passion? Mm-hmm. And you can choose to to be more subdued and, and not be a part of the drumming community or you can put yourself out there and realize that there's so much education, so much knowledge, so much that people are willing to share within this drumming industry that it's it would be a shame for any drummer to not – make the effort to put themselves out there and choose to be a part of it and choose to, to be a positive influence on it, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I just, I, yeah. So to, I'm with you. To, to circle back to your initial question, we, you know, we're either lucky or we're not based on what opportunities we're afforded and where we come from. I would still argue that no matter what, there's always a silver lining you can find. And if you can find it, latch onto it and try to make that silver lining even bigger and create more room for that silver lining to grow and uh you know make it all positive and mm-hmm. like i said it's hard, it's not easy for everybody a lot of people deal with crazy shit you know what my friend andrew um who i haven't i feel really bad saying this i haven't had a chance to talk to him really since the accident but my friend andrew takachik who plays for the ghost inside was in a terrible accident with his band. They were in a bus accident. Mm-hmm. And lost his right leg. And again, I, I don't, I don't, I don't. Um, I hope this doesn't seem funny because I really haven't had a chance to talk to Andrew much, and I feel bad bringing this up in a way. But I just want to say to his credit, it's like this dude went through something that would be really, really traumatic. And I have students of mine who have taught in the past who who have one leg or one arm, and it's amazing. The perseverance that Andrew and these students of mine have, and I, I don't, I've not once in all of the content that Andrew's put out and all of the the messaging that he's put out since this happened, not once have I seen him say anything negative. Not once have I seen him put something out there that doesn't show him joking around, happy, and trying to make the best out of a seemingly bad situation. Mm-hmm. So. You know, again, I, admittedly, I need to get in touch with Andrew and really have a, a personal conversation with him, and 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 I I hope to do that soon. But I just want to tip my hat to him because I don't know if a lot of people would be able to be as positive in that situation. To make that's a hard. That's a hard situation. You know, and I don't know. I've never been in that situation. It's funny. It's funny, not funny, but it's it, it's amazing when I think back about when you were saying about nothing negative. So for me, I'd sort of have a a general rule that I don't 
I don't complain. Like, I don't say, I'm not, like, I'm not a negative dude. I don't, it doesn't do anything for you. Like, being negative, saying negative things, putting negative energy out there, it just doesn't do anything. But the funny thing is, not that, I keep saying the funny thing, but what I've noticed, I've looked back at Facebook posts of mine from years ago, from like seven, eight years ago, Mm -hmm. and I was a lot more cynical and negative then than I am now, and things are so much better than they are or now than they were then. Absolutely. Which is an amazing thing. It's like, it's, it's just a mind shift. And you ask anybody that knows me, I'm just, I don't, I don't complain. I don't, I'm easygoing. I don't like, I I, I don't see the point in, in complaining or putting negative energy out there. It just doesn't, it doesn't help anybody. No, it's pointless. I mean, I say it all the time to people. There was a dude who was like on Snapchat, he kept snapping, snapping me. Um, you know, I got to go to work today. I'm annoyed with this. I'm annoyed with that. And I just wrote him back and I was like, dude, stop complaining. You And I, I gave him three scenarios based off what he showed me where he would be worse off than what he was dealing with now. And he, he snapped me back and said, you know what, dude? You're fucking right. <laughs> See? He, goes, he goes, it makes a difference though to hear it from somebody that, that I respect versus like, you know, a parent or somebody that sure. like, they've been hearing it from their whole lives. Um, and, you know, yeah. Why? What do you have? I don't know. Again, this is a whole Gary V quote, but I can't help but but requote him and say it. It's like, you know, what do you have to complain about if you have every opportunity afforded to you? If you have your arms and legs and your brain works and you have some kind of talent, like you have nothing to complain about because if other people are taking advantage of their own skills like that, anybody can. And right. you know. I, I really just uh, I really just think that it takes time for people to realize this on their own. But I think what is so what is so important is to learn how to start doing this. And I think the best way to do that is to just look at look at the situations you're in and think about the conversations you have every day and try to check yourself and ask yourself before you say something. Is what I'm about to say a positive statement or is it not? And if you ever are questioning whether it's positive or negative, <laughs> don't say it. Don't say it because likely it's probably not going to be that productive. And the more of that stuff you can eliminate from your daily life, it's a, I, I, I swear, I don't know how else to describe it other than it's miraculous, but when you get rid of that negativity, positive things start happening. Good stuff starts popping up left and right. The minute you stop complaining, the minute you start reminding yourself what you do have and the positive things in your life, it's amazing how much more positive begets positive. Mm -hmm. It's gratitude, man. You got to practice gratitude. Absolutely. Period. 100%. 100%. So I got to, I, there's, I got so many questions for you too. Um, and I want to be cognizant of your time. So uh, one thing that I had to ask is you mentioned how passionate you are about business. You mentioned how passionate you are about drumming. What if you had to choose? T- to be honest, I mean, there, to me, it's, it's one and the same. Let me rephrase that. What if you had to choose one or the other to make a living? Um, man, I can't even see myself doing business without drums tied to it, to be honest. Right. Um, but if I'm being truly honest, I think what I love is the business. I um, love I just love that. And I mm-hmm. love, but what I really love is the fact that I can create 
businesses and, and, and be involved in business because of drumming. Yep. You know, so let me let me let me put it this way. Drumming to me is a language that I was taught and that I've spoken my whole life. It's a, it's something that I think about and listen, you know, listen to and practice every single day. So to me, it's kind of like a part of a part of me. And business is my real practice passion. Uh, I don't want to say talent because I think talent really lies in drumming, but what I love the challenge of more so than anything else is business. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to like dodge around your answer, but I think I would choose business and I would always figure out a way to tie business back into my other passions no matter what it was. Right. If I was a, a designer, if I was a guy who loved construction or architecture, architecture, I would figure out how to how to combine business and whatever was at the core of it creatively. Mm-hmm. You know? And I mentioned that in, in an article that I wrote that I said I would I would choose business too only because I can still play drums as a hobby if I had to. Absolutely. So I could still like, I I still, even though I'm not getting paid for it, I still get to play it. Yep. You know what I mean? So it's still, still an escape. So, um, so uh, the next question I, and everyone would kill me if I didn't ask you about practice and about, uh, uh routine, practice routines and sort of advice for practicing reason why I ask everybody this is because everybody has a different way of doing it so I want the listeners like oh I like that little piece oh I like that little piece sure. pull, and then pull out their own little tidbits of everybody else's practice routine to make their own sure I mean you know I've over the years my practice routines have absolutely you know ch- kind of changed and morphed from one to the other um you know, it used to be a lot more lax. I would pick things up really quickly, um, and you know, didn't I never really spent too much time in a very like focused practice regimen, as much as I just played drums a lot and worked on the things that I wanted to get good at. Um, over the years, I've really found that having some organization there helps because you know when you have a busy schedule with lots of things going on, if you don't plan for it, it's really hard to kind of put a, a practice regimen in place or to even get yourself to the practice room. So, um, you know, I would try initially just to like schedule out an hour every day and I would go to the practice room and I would work on things I need to do. And, you know, my biggest thing that I always did was I would focus on my priorities or my gigs. So if I had a session I needed to prepare for, that took precedence. If I had a record I was, you know, writing or a gig that I needed to get ready for or a con- or a tour or a concert, whatever, whatever, work I had associated with drumming, that's what took precedence with practice. And then I would work on the other things for general improvement and maintenance once those things were out of the way. Um, and I still think that that's something that I do now. But, and I, I, I you know, I got to say, over the past couple years of touring with JP and Mike Johnston, you know, that's been such an amazing opportunity to learn from two guys that really know how to practice. Right. So, you know, JP's influence on me was in, in the form of really documenting my practice with a practice, uh, journal and, you know, kind of giving myself just something that I could reference rather than just trying to keep things in my head or, you know, kind of scattered in different places. You know, he, he really inspired me to get a journal together, Keep track of what I was practicing on, be able to 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 write my thoughts down, my my weaknesses, my strengths on different exercises, all that stuff. Um, so that was one thing initially that I really ad- ad- adopted recently. But 
even more recently than that, I had a chance to, to run a camp, uh, a common thread drum camp with JP and Mike. And Mike taught his four-stage practice method. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking perfect for what I need, <laughs> to be right. honest. Right. You know, I usually have about an hour a day that I can practice. And Mike's four-stage practice method in the in the traditional format uh, is about a 50-minute to 60-minute practice regimen. And it's amazing for effectiveness. And I, I really put it to the test uh, earlier this year when I was prepping to, to go record Periphery 3, which is our new album that comes out in like less than a month now. Um, I took my priorities, which were learning those songs and, and, and writing those parts and getting them down for the studio. And I put them into the four stage practice method. And I picked apart different, you know, like non-creative techniques I needed to work on based on what the songs were demanding. And I found creative ways to practice within that context in order to come up with the best parts for the songs. And then, you know, my main focus was actually being able to play the song start to finish so I don't know if you're familiar or if, the, or if the listeners are familiar with the four-stage practice method. Yeah, I had Mike on the podcast uh, about a month and a half ago or so. We talked about it. Cool. So, yeah, yeah so go back and listen to that or, you know, here's a plug for Mike. Go join Mike'sLessons.com. I'm not just saying this because he's my friend. Um, he actually gave me access to his new site recently. His, he totally remodeled yeah. um, and redesigned the site. And I'm not kidding. It's the best drummer's not to not to be funny it is the best drummer's learning resource out there hands down period if you can't improve on that website then you might as well stop playing drums and i, I hate to be so, <laughs> so harsh about that but seriously mike is an amazing teacher his vision is completely clear of what he's trying to do and he's organized these lessons these courses these classes on his website in a way that no matter what you're looking to improve upon it's there for you and it's done in a way that is manageable that is traceable that you can really track everything i mean i just i can't say enough about how impressed i am with not only his work over the the years he's been doing this but even now how 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 the evolution of his website has really come to where it is now it's just it's incredible and if you're a drummer looking to learn, I'm not saying that his site will, will replace your private teacher, but it will absolutely enhance the experience you have with a private teacher. And I would urge you to spend the small amount it is per month in order to get access to the fucking wealth of information that's on his site. I can say – hopefully I can say fuck on this podcast. Mike yeah. can't say fuck. I can say fuck. That is a fucking good website and he's a fucking <laughs> great teacher. So – I love that dude. <laughs> I love it. So that's a that is a uh this this podcast is sponsored by uh mikeslessons.com. And no, I'm just kidding. I have I know Mike's great. I had him on the podcast. He and I uh hung for about two we had like a 2 hour lunch at Nam. It was it was cool. It was that's definitely awesome. cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually I'm supposed to talk to him today. Um so I'll, I'll let him know you say hi. Yeah, tell him I said what's up. We'll do. Uh, so question about, uh, daily habits. So do you have any sort of daily habits or routines that you, that you do? Um, some, you know, every day is different to be honest because I make my own schedule and there's a lot of different things going on. Every day is different, which I love. Um, but you know, when I'm home and I should say there's two kinds of daily schedules, there's the home life and there's the tour life. So when I'm home, you know, one of the things that I find to be very, very important is eating well eating food I like to eat. 
Um, so I always make sure to wake up early so I can go get my, my breakfast and I go to like, I'll, the night before I'll plan where I'm going to go find my breakfast the next day. So like, you know, I'll wake up really early. I'll go, today I went to a cafe that I haven't been, been to before because a buddy of mine told me their breakfast sandwiches were awesome. The day before <laughs> that I went to another spot. So like breakfast and, and eating is just, so, it's, I don't know, just such an important part of my day. Um, so, you know, breakfast, coffee, tea is always a good thing in the morning. Um, with eating well comes going to the gym. So it's really important for me every day to get my ass to the gym. I do a lot of cardio. Um, as of late, I've been spinning. So I've been on the bikes and doing these crazy spin cycles and it's, it's been amazing to do it. It's actually been really good for my, my legs and double base, um, and limbering up and building more strength and endurance in my legs. So it's kind of, been really helpful for drumming too, funny enough. But, uh, you know, aside from eating well every day, making sure I'm up for breakfast and going to the gym, um, my days tend to change quite often. Um, but I will say, you know, I always make time to spend with my dog who is, you know, sitting right next to me right now. I try to take him out every day. Um, I try to make time for friends and family. I really just, uh, I really try to live every day to the fullest and I know that sounds cheesy but that's the beauty of making your own schedule. I make a schedule based on what I love to do and I build in enough time for everything because I love what I do so much that I don't care if I'm awake at 8 a.m. and going to sleep at 2 a.m. Six hours is enough sleep for me to wake up and feel stoked about doing the exact same thing the next day. Mm -hmm. um, I just launched a new company with a couple of my bandmates and some other friends called Get Good Drums and we're doing drum sample libraries. And that was a perfect segue because I was so, just getting ready to ask you about that. Cool. So, so I mean, just from a schedule standpoint, I'm waking up every day, early as can be, so stoked to work on this. And like, you know, today I was up early. I've been working on it in and out all day. I guarantee you I will be up again like I was last night to 1.32 a.m. working on the business. You know, we're working on targeting the right the right customers. We're working on educating people about the product. We're working on you know getting feedback about the product, and a lot of that involves communication. And I think I've found that in business, it's so important to make yourself available and communicate with your customers. So I spend a lot of the time on this business, getting feedback from them so far, helping them out with different things, um, figuring out you know the right the right audiences to reach and to try to get this product in front of. Um, and my other job with the, with the company is to obviously be the drummer, you know, we, so I'll give you the short, the short story. Um, in periphery, everybody is a producer pretty much. And I'm kind of lucky to have a bunch of guys in my band that are great musicians and really smart about the technical side as well. Um, my bass player, Nolly, his biggest passion in the world is production, music production. Mm -hmm. He's an amazing engineer. Um, he's an amazing, uh, amazing producer himself. Um, but with that in mind, you know, we've always spent a lot of time on drums. He spent a lot of time on drums. So he spent years and hours and days tuning drums. He, um, spent years and hours miking drums and, and experimenting with, you know, what's going to be the best way to put the mic in front of a drum to get the best sound. So you take my ability to hit the drums and his passion for recording drums and we just kind of said what projects can we do together. So aside from him producing the Periphery records, we also um, – we wanted to, to, to record samples. So we, uh, we got into a – I'm sorry. We got into a studio 
And we said, you know, let's give this a go. And we went through and, and we tuned up my kit that I used on the Juggernaut record. Um, we we mic'd it up the way that he had experimented with, and we just started hitting the drums. Or I started hitting the drums. And that then turned into what now is our first product with Get Good Drums. Um, it started off with just me and Nolly, me hitting the drums, him recording the drums. We have another friend named Dez who is really passionate about the technical side of things and was able to then put together a real interface, develop a real product that now works in um, some other virtual instruments such as Contact. Uh, people are familiar with that. It's a native instrument, uh, native instruments um, product. And then Slate Trigger, which is obviously a Stephen Slate mm-hmm. product. Um, and now people can go in and take those drum sounds that we recorded. They can tweak them. They can use them as samples to program their own drum beats. They can use them as samples to layer actual recorded live drums. Um, and I'll say that you know how I use it and how Periphery uses this stuff is is pretty important to like how we do everything from a recording standpoint. So you know, years back um, before Periphery was ever banned, Misha would write riffs on his guitar and he would program drums. And um, we found that doing that, even as we grew as a band, for the demoing process of our music was such an amazing way to write drum parts, test out drum parts, see how they work with songs. So um, when we were working on our new record, our new product with Get Good Drums was ready to go, but from a testing standpoint. So we used the product to program all of the drum parts for the demos that we recorded for this new album. Um, and funny enough, we recorded the drums kind of, it was backwards how we did it, but we recorded the drums last um, for this record and we recorded the, the guitars first. So initially, all of the guitar parts and all the songs were written to this new Get Good Drums Matt Halpern library and we program all the parts using it. Um, and then I went back obviously with live drums and I recorded my part, my actual parts right. um, to replace those demoed versions. So a lot of drummers might say, oh man, like you're creating drum samples and putting me out of work. And I completely disagree with that because if you're on a budget and you don't have a big practice space or a studio you can go into, then as a band or as someone who, who wants to write parts, you can use a product like Get Good Drums to program your parts before you ever commit to recording them in a studio and you can play around with them and change them and enhance them and, and, and mix and match things to see what, what, what ideas will sound like so that when you do go into the studio to, to record, you're not wasting any time. You're not experimenting at that point. You've already worked out what parts are great and then it's just a matter of committing them to the drum set, getting in the studio and you knock them out. So I would argue that it's actually an amazing tool for drummers to take advantage of. Write your parts by programming them and and messing around with them and then once you figure it out, save time, save money, you know, mm-hmm. sa- save a lot of effort and go in and then learn the actual parts. So right. maybe that's just me but I find it to be as a drummer a very useful tool. Obviously, guitar players and producers and people that write their own music um, have found drum programming software to be uh, probably a godsend for them if they don't have drummers they work with to be able to program good sounding parts. Um, but anyway, to round this out, our our goal and our passion is to get the the most, I guess, the best sounding drum samples that we possibly can. We're all in love with drums. We're all meticulous about recording drums and tuning drums. So we took that passion of ours. And again, we we found the right people to work with, and we've now turned it into another business. And um, 
it's a huge passion of mine. So hopefully I didn't ramble on too much nope, there, ramble too much, but that hopefully answers your question. <laughs> yeah, and for for everybody listening, you can go to getgooddrums.com and check it out. And I'll also everything that we talked about, it'll all be in the in the show notes for the podcast too, so everybody can can link up to that. Um, and in terms of of getting in touch with you and links and ways ways that people can contact you, what's the best way for people to reach out, take lessons, find out what you're doing, all that stuff? Sure. I'm, I'm really accessible across a lot of different social platforms. So, you know, you can definitely reach me on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Matt Halpern drummer. Um, nobody else handles that account, but me, you can find me, uh, on Instagram at, uh, I think it's at Matt Halpern TEI, which stands for the entertainment Institute. Um, so you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, same thing. It's Matt Halpern TEI. Um, you know, whatever platform you like to use out of those options, you can get in touch with me. Just cool. find me, shoot me a message. I'm happy to happy to answer questions to the best I can. Um, if I don't get back to you right away, I, I'll do my best to get back to you as soon as I can. It's just um, a lot going on every day. But, you know, I'm totally accessible. I'm totally reachable. Um, and I'm more than happy to, to interact with people. Awesome. Well, Matt, thank you for, for taking the time to chat with me, man. I, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you sharing all of your, your wisdom, and I wish you the best of luck with, with everything you got going on with your, your music and business and, and everything. It was really great to have you. Thanks so much. You know, And again, I, I really appreciate this. And I, I, um, I think it's amazing that, that people like yourself are giving drummers an opportunity to, to you know, share more than just what they do on the drums. I think it's important to learn about people and the people behind the talents and behind the music, so to speak, is again as cheesy as that is. Um, so, uh, just giving me and other drummers like myself this opportunity is a really special thing, and I really value and appreciate it. So, um, thank you for having me, and uh, and and I really I really hope that things continue to go well for you as well. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Anytime, you're welcome. Anytime you'd like to come back. So awesome. Well, thank you very much. All right, yeah, man, and uh, I will talk to you soon. Cool. That sounds right. great. Thanks, brother. Yeah, man. So there you have it, Matt Halpern. I hope you dug in. Also, for the links to everything that we talk about, you can head over to drummersresource.com forward slash session 187. Also, if you want to sign up for the webinar that I'm doing, how to get bigger and better gigs, I'll teach you why people get hired, what MDs are looking for, how to get and keep the gig, and much more. You can sign up for free at drummersresource.com forward slash gigs. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.